Welcome to Fan and Chat Hour. Today is Wednesday the 6th of October and this is episode 23. I'm David Johnson and in the studio is actual Amanda Carlin. Hello. And today we also have producer Jodie Jasmine Hicks. Hello, nice to be joining you both. Hello Jodie. <laughs> so just a, a bit of uh, bit of housekeeping. So it's been approximately 18 months since uh, Fern and Chatter went off the air. And this is basically a one-off special, basically coming back to talk about old times. Just go back over what we did. I think there's a, a feeling with um, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and various other, where they're sort of having these big reunions like Friends and things where they're coming back and, and it's like, what's happened over these years? And, <laughs> and, and it kind of sort of inspired me to actually uh, to do something like this because I feel that we we kind of came to an end very, very quickly. And I don't think we really had a good sort of end or close to the series. So it'd be nice to sort of go back and look at it into a more of an introspective view of what happened. So what I'll do is Jody is going to be the producer of the show. I am no longer producer Dave. I am just <laughs> Dave. And so we'll hand it over to Jody. Take it away, Jody. Yeah, round of applause, Ra please. Radio 2. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Steve May. Yeah, so I'll be running today. <laughs> but I think before we dive into the show, I think it would be best just to say a little bit about ourselves. So, um, Amanda, if you'd like to start. Oh, thank you, Jodie. Well, yes, I'm Amanda and I'm a Wimblington resident and a proud Fenland resident, I feel. Um, I am director of um, a heritage, culture and community business and I also work with my husband's business and he is a mechanic. Wonderful, thank you Amanda <laughs> thank and you. David. I'm David, I'm a media director, I have a, a media production company and I make and produce things, uh, films, televisions, adverts. You're an absolute whiz David, that's what you are. And, pod, and, and, pod, <laughs> yeah. and occasionally podcasts as well. Uh, so um, I'm a frequent, um, I'd say I work with David quite a lot in the past and I'm a freelance producer, director, stage manager, actress, all kind of uh, fingers in many pies I would say, um, but um, it's really lovely to be joining you guys today. So shall we get started guys? <laughs> yeah. So let's start at the beginning. So. Why did why did you start the Fen and Chat Hour, and what was the reason that you did? Shall I start with that one? Because yes. it was kind of it kind of came from from me. Um, when the pandemic was um, moving, I'd say, and we had the lockdown that was had been announced on the twenty third of March it became very aware that everything was going to get shut down. And looking at it from a, a media perspective, I suddenly realised that if everyone's going to be stuck at home, there's going to be a, an awful... There's going to be a, an opportunity to have groups to... They'll be reliant on using tech and the internet and streaming and other sort of online devices. 
So I basically offered my services to various organizations around the local area uh, for helping them either set up uh, something like this, something like um, um, a podcast or some kind of live streaming or something. So a lot of churches and various other youth groups and organizations and stuff. So I put the word out and uh, Amanda was one that came back um, and you had some talks and we were going to initially do it in the church. Yes, yeah, St Peter's in Wimbledon. Oh, lovely. And then the church um, came back and had to then close That's because close. everything got worse. So if you mm. want to sort of carry on, pick up the story from that point. Well, I think, yeah, it was really yeah, great. It was really great when um, David reached out and asked, um, I want to help and invited people to come and say, yes, we'd like you to help us. What I was interested in, as David said, people could access organisations, groups, get help online through tech, but there was a whole group of people that didn't have access to tech. So we wanted to try and get the message out um, in another way, especially to vulnerable people. And we both felt um, that newspapers help, media outlets help, but they're not always, you know, drilling down to the people enough, um, to the actual people in the villages and, and the Fenland towns. Mm. It seems to be Cambridgeshire, doesn't it, yeah. rather than the Fenland residents getting hold of the information that they really need to in real time. There does seem to be a, a very much a, a black spot for, for news and media within here, within the Fenland area. Um, if you just look at the BBC, um, it seems to be very North, uh, Northampton-centric. Yeah. ITV seems to be very Northampton-centric as well. And occasionally, if something bad happens, then we kind of get the odd news story further into the, into the Fenlands themselves. Knowing that Peterborough has next to no coverage either, they've got a couple of local radio stations, community-based ones, and there's a couple of other things dotted around. So Cambridge has got um, This Is Cambridge, which is another sort of free view television. So there's a, a very limited amount of information that's specifically to this area. So that was our, our main drive is to how to take the information that was coming from the government and turn into something that was actually re relatable to people here. Mm, and accessible. Yeah. Mm. And things do happen here, not just bad things. And I feel like it's nice that this kind of brought some of the smaller victories that are happening, like in the fence and spoke about it and let people know that this was going on. Because I think we're all under the impression a lot of the time that nothing happens here. And when, in <laughs> <Yeah>. fact, <laughs> sleepy Finland. Sleepy Finland, not so sleepy. Absolutely. So how did how did you go from the initial idea to actually recording it? Okay, David. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, fortunately, I'd, I'd kind of been pushing the ideas for podcasts for a couple of years. So I kind of already had the equipment to start with. Um, it's it was, or it is still quite a, a niche thing. And there's not many people around here that sort of go into to podcasting. It's, it's definitely on the rise and a lot more audio podcasts. And I think certainly with um, COVID, it's certainly become popular and a lot of 
celebrities and have embraced the mm. the podcast culture and so it's sort of become cool again you've gone from like 200,000 podcasters podcast shows to like 2 million in in quite a short space of time but we so we had the technical uh, kit uh basically and we just sort of most of the stuff was there it was a case of just bringing it all together um just getting a a sound mixer which was specific to this kind of thing because we needed to look at um, recording telephone calls as well. So we had to get things that were suitable for all aspects of what we were looking at. So really, the main bit was just to buy the mixing desk. Everything else sort of followed followed on. We used Skype. Yeah. Because Skype was still the main medium of video communications. Zoom was around, but it was... It was only just coming to the forefront. It was only just becoming aware and people were only just starting to use that as the main um, means of, of communication. So we kind of right, rode on the tails of Skype for the first couple of months because that was just the way it was going. Um, I think if we'd done it now, if we knew then, we would have used um, used Zoom as, as the main medium. Was it also, it wasn't... As secure as it is now, was it at the time? I there seem to remember. There were a few technical issues mm. as well. Yeah, there were people who were having technical issues with it. And the other thing I found now is uh, Clean Feed, which is something that the BBC right. use, which is a, a just basically a, an audio channel directed. So it's an internet internet based audio channels, which gives you a nice clean mm. audio between two remote locations. Had I known that. But that's a paid paid site, and I've now used I used that for one of the previous podcasts that I've done, and it does make a big difference. But hindsight is a wonderful thing. It was a case of we had to start with what we had, what was available. We had about a week and a half to set everything up. Um, ordering stuff off the internet was very short because a lot of stuff disappeared because all the other podcasters all started buying equipment, so there was a lot of kit. You know, the, the sort of the top end stuff just disappeared overnight because everyone was just buying everything. So we basically just had to to make do with what we had. And I think we we, considering we were doing it remotely, we, we did quite a good job because it, it was originally supposed to be like this. It was supposed to be two microphones sat on a desk opposite each other and then talking, but that level of complication went right through the roof when they said right no one's going to anyone's houses there's no meetups you've all got to be locked down and that just made just turned everything on its head do you remember when we used to um record an episode mm-hmm. my laptop kept shutting down yes <laughs> it was no. just annoying it was so annoying I, there I were a lot of technical issues yeah yeah it was a nightmare so how did you combat that like what did you learn from those issues that you had patience <laughs> <laughs> I would say wouldn't you David yeah the, the easiest thing was to do was to get you to record your own version of the, the podcast so I would record mine Amanda would record hers and then you would then send me the audio files and then <laughs> we'd then put it together. Gosh. The problem was it became very um, time critical. We kind of, we had stuff that we were talking about mm. that needed to be put out that day. 
and because we were doing so many if we try and if it was going to slip it would then just mess everything up so we recorded the show at about 11 o'clock mm-hmm. took about an hour and a half to record you then sent me your files i put mine so so i tried the rest of the afternoon was <laughs> trying to get the internet to work to mm-hmm. send these large files Goodness. and then i'd put it together add all the music edit it and, and you think it's an hour long show and you've got to edit it as you go along so that takes an hour an hour and a half in itself because you've got to go through it in real time as you're sort of removing bits and pieces and then uploading it doing all the data and stuff like that and then promoting it and putting it out so usually about midnight mm. so it was about 12 13 hour production from start to finish I mean that's crazy and as well you had to because the news changed so quickly mm-hmm. like yeah. day to day the rules would change or mm-hmm. this would happen or that would happen. The news was just so thick and fast, wasn't it, during the lockdown? So And we one, did it three days a week, didn't we? We did to start with, yeah. Three days a week. We did Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. Yeah. Oh. Which is why it was so <laughs> it was so stressful. That was it we thought it would be straightforward, it wasn't. And the the, the criticalness of it was we, we suddenly realised that we were picking up on stories that weren't even on the on the, the radar of the, the main media. So we were coming, you know, we were discussing ideas and concepts, um, legislation, uh, rules and behaviour long before it was getting picked up on the news. And it was quite funny. You would listen, you'd, you'd talk about it. And then two days later, the, the BBC News would be running a story that we'd discussed yeah, two or three was, days before. It was, and it was quite scary wow. in some respects. But we realised then that we had to keep getting it out as soon as possible. We were kind of ahead of the curve in a lot of, lots of respects. I mean, do you, is there anything that comes to mind, Amanda, that anything specific in relation to that? Well, it was a lot around behaviours. People just weren't grasping the lockdown rules. And um, no, that is a generalisation. A lot of people did grasp it, but a lot of people didn't. And there was a, there was a rub, wasn't there? Mm. The frustration behind it. And that's the thing that springs to mind most of all. And 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 it's almost as if we were predicting when the next lockdown would come as well. Yeah. You know, when when are we going to be told we can't go into people's homes? We knew it for yeah. some reason, didn't we? We, we were discussing it as if it was going to happen. Yeah, and we were talking about yeah, because we were sort of hypotheticals of mm. of how things would play out and sort of the practicalities of vaccines and when they would be rolled out and, and sort of issues with schools and yeah, it was it was it was an interesting time. It was but that was the the problem that it had to get done in such short space of time. We then went two days a week because it became impractical and quite stressful. Yeah, the uploading was difficult. For some reason um, bandwidth seems to have improved, doesn't it, mm. since then? But there was definitely an issue, wasn't there? Because everyone was homeschooling, mm. everyone was working from home, so the internet was just getting slower and slower. Yeah, definitely. It's it's just a kind of like a question about what was it like making the show during that time? What impact it had on you? Did it help making this show and giving you something to do? Yeah, I think the the original concept was when it... Everything shut down. We thought, right, this is it. We're in for the long haul. Um, mm-hmm. My business is going to dry up. Your business is going to mm-hmm. dry up. And that was it. So we thought, well, I'd rather keep doing something uh, 
it was kind of a vanity thing in that I was if there's no work, no one's going to know who the business is. So the thought of, well, if I'm still producing stuff, then I'm still promoting stuff, and therefore my company name is still out there, and passively people will still see it. You know, we're not just suspended and shut down. So that was my own sort of mercenary sort of approach. The problem was, um, one, I didn't get any of the handouts from the government so I had to keep working secondly I was still being asked to work so I was fortunate that people were still coming up and asking me to do projects I had to do a um, an art journaling course and then we did a, a, a writing course and there were other things that were sort of legacy things that were finishing off so I was actually still quite busy and so when we'd taken on the idea of the podcast I thought it would all be quiet and it wouldn't be an issue to do three out three shows a week, but the workload just got more and more, and so the stress between doing the recording, trying to fill it in, trying to do recordings and filmmaking, um, it just got too much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was that was intention, but it's not the way it worked out. Have <laughs> <laughs> you, Amanda? Well, I think if it, what impact it had on me personally, um, well, it was fun. You know, it was stressful, as David says, but I think we really bonded and and worked well as colleagues throughout it, don't you, David? I think it was... We we had a very good rapport. Yeah. And it was very good because we got to learn how to finish each other's... Yeah, we did, don't we? Yeah, we Sandwiches. did. Sandwiches. Sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and um, well, David and I have worked together before, but, yeah. um, you know, it, no, it really did help with the bonding experience, I think. I think that was good. And I having, learned a having, lot from you. Having someone to talk to, mm. I think because we were so shut down and, and isolated, just mm. having someone outside the house just to talk to and just sort of um, talk through what's going on was actually quite useful. Yeah, definitely. I think from a mental health perspective, it probably kept me sort of sane. <laughs> well, it was, kind of, it, it was kind of a... It was, it was a way of keeping focus. Yeah. You know, it gave us something to work towards and to, to do it, but it also had a kind of a, a counterpoint Um you know, and we we had to sort of bring it to a close, partly because of the amount of work that it involved. We just weren't able to carry it on. But you know, we talk about mental health, but that was the that was the problem. It was when you're researching the show, we were having to go through the statistics of the the totals of died and and were in hospital. The doom scrolling. The doom scrolling. Yeah. But also trawling through the negativity and the darkness in all the the newspapers, trying to find stories and stuff, trying to find some kind of glimmer of something uh, positive when it's just doom and gloom across Europe and the rest of the world. And I found it getting harder and harder to actually cope. Um, so I found it was actually doing more harm um, for me. But it was helping other people and so it was that sort of trying to keep it going as long as possible trying to sort of keep that balance um 
but in the end, I, I just couldn't couldn't do any more. I was I was getting exhausted, and I, I was concerned about my own well being. Well, yeah, you you were focusing on the national media, mm. and you had to, like you said, so that it it wasn't pleasant at all, was it? No. The numbers were huge. Yeah. It's existing in that headspace where you're concerned about your friends and your family mm. members and you think, you know, going to the um, the supermarket, we were washing all of our yeah. shopping as we kept, like, thinking about now, that's crazy. I'm still doing that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just give it a little scrub. I mean, it's, it's what we used to do and you kind of look back and you're like, we lived in that time when we were afraid to leave our houses. Like, can that affect? The effect that has on your mental health as well, it's not. I just think yeah. that something I mentioned that when we were talking during the early stages, when we were getting people to wash their hands and, mm. and you were to sing happy birthday, and I said, even now I still think that in five, ten years' time, you're going to have a group of children who are going to be traumatised by the, whenever they hear happy birthday mm. because they were three, four, five years old at the time when they were singing happy birthday and washing their hands, but there's also this doom and gloom and, and death and, you know, you don't know how it's affected their families, but they're going to grow up and they're going to hate listening to happy birthday. I've got a three-year-old grandson and I've got a, a four-month-old grandson as well now. And, and the three-year-old, what I will say is whenever there's been an issue at nursery... And he has to self-isolate. He goes mad. He wants to be outside. Mm -hmm. I think it's the thought of being forced inside all the time. It, it, there's definitely something there. Yeah. yeah, He wants to be outside all the time. I think there's going to be a lot of baggage, emotional mm. baggage now that's going to be sort of the next 10 years at least. I think with the young, especially young children, like a few of my friends have two and three-year-olds, and they're worried because it's kind of like they've taken a step back with their communication because they're at the age where the more they mix with other children, they yeah. can, you know, make friends easier and they can communicate more. And my friend's just had her first year of reception um, and he's not mixing well with other children. Like, he doesn't know how to do it because mm. he's not done it. Like, mm. grew up during that. So mm. it is very... I think we are going to see the effects of quite some time, aren't we? Because it's yeah. quite an important part of development in children's... Definitely. Uh, families couldn't go to their... To visit... We couldn't go and visit our grandchildren. We couldn't go and visit the newborn. Mm. It was awful, really. Mm. You know, if you live different parts of the country you're in trouble I remember when you had to take your daughter uh, her Christmas present you had to go before the lockdown didn't yeah. you because we were just about to go to lockdown so we had to drive was it? I can't remember if it was a birthday or or Christmas it was basically yeah it was June, June yeah it was the start it was the Christmas lockdown that's right we the boxing day um was lockdown so we had to go there and, and drop everything off as quickly as possible to then get back to make sure that we you were back on time. <laughs> we weren't then sort of then arrested for for being out and about. Yeah, it's crazy because I remember having Christmas dinner around my grandparents when I finished my shift at ten because at twelve the curfew it, the curfew was started. happening, so I was quickly eating my dinner before I could go. Well, that is amazing, yeah. isn't it? It's mm. absolutely amazing the things that we've gone through. Really, <laughs> you don't. 
We're okay though. We got through it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we are. I mean, on the whole, I think we are quite resilient, and we do mm. put up put up with the conditions that are brought on. But I think there's also you've got groups of people who are just very anti. Yeah. You know, you can't tell me what to do, so mm. I'm not going to do it. Culture, mm. and I think that's you know that the, the keep saying, well, why are there so many? you know, fatalities and deaths that are COVID-related. Well, I think a lot of it is down to people who are just, you know, pardon my French, but just bloody-minded in just their, their approach to things. You know, I'm going to do it. You can't tell me what to do. I'm going to carry on doing it. And we've seen the knock-on effects from that. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, just trying to get everyone to do everything that they've been asked to and, and a lot of people have chosen not to. I do think, you know... I do think we're going to see another lockdown soon, though. And I do think also that the reason we'll see it soon is because Boris doesn't want to cancel Christmas again. Hmm. I'm putting my money on... This is us predicting Go on, go on. <laughs> I think the, the um, half-term holiday, yeah. I think, is, is moving towards that having a fire break. I mean, they've been talking about it. Um, and I think that's uh, highly likely. If you think this time last year, we were just about to approach the um, eat out to help out. We were. Gosh, and that think was that's, a... that's, I was just thinking about it this morning. I think that's gone really fast this this time last year. How it's how it's has, hasn't it? But I, I'm, I think we are looking at a fire break either at the end of October or certainly the beginning of November. I think if they're going to tie it in with the school holidays, it would be sensible. And I don't know, obviously, and we don't like. Um, we, we don't like to second-guess these things, but, you know, uh, conspiracy theories. Mm. We don't like conspiracy theories, but the fuel shortage that is not a fuel shortage, don't you think it's interesting? Mm. I mean, we that's were beha- almost... That's a behaviour thing, though. I think it, it is a behaviour thing, but it started somewhere. Where did, was that planted? How was it planted? Mm. And And it did force us to stay at home for a little while, didn't it? Last week... I did not go and put fuel in my vehicle because I thought I've, I had about five miles worth of fuel left. So I was on vapours, literally. Mm. But I thought, no, I, I'm not going to get engaged into this madness. Um, and I was thinking, I am enforcing myself to stay at home. Mm. Yeah. I literally was. And to try and get off my driveway was almost impossible because I am just down from a petrol station. <laughs> I was trapped. I, I don't know if it's one of these timely things that just coincided. I know that was it BP. Yeah, four courts where someone had said you know they, they've got a shortage of drivers, so it's affecting some of them. And then the media blew it all out of proportion, and then complained that it's it wasn't the media that started it, but it was the media that were going oh, we've got shortages and they're showing pictures of people queuing. So everyone thought, we've got a queue, so then hit everyone. So people were buying more fuel because the local petrol stations here have all said that they've they've sold far more yeah. than they've ever sold. Mm. So people are buying more fuel. So it's not a case of we're just using buying the same amount and there isn't the demand, there isn't the su- support or the supply. It's a case of people are buying over an excess of what is normally there. So there's a shortage. So people are queuing. And it's, it's a vicious cycle. So people need to stop queuing and stop going out and buying fuel every time the fuel drops. 
and just go back to a normal routine and it will then balance out. Yeah, yeah. People do, though, don't they? The minute they get to um, half toilet. a tank, yeah. they'll go, I don't. When they get down to the last 15 <laughs> toilet rolls, they're out there buying the next 15 toilet rolls. It is a bit of mass hysteria in a way, isn't yeah, it? When you think, we haven't learnt from buying toilet paper and two pasta. years ago. Do you know? Flour. You couldn't get flour in the, the, irony, <laughs> the irony was there isn't enough flour. Yeah. The problem was that there wasn't enough flour in one kilo bags. Mm. If you, if you wanted the, the big sacks of flour, you could have it. The industrial size stuff, there was plenty. So there was no shortage of flour. It was just not in the, the containers <laughs> that were readily available for supermarkets. Gosh. Crazy. <laughs> so um, just to go back while we are on the subject of COVID, did any of you have COVID? Did you know anyone? Oh, had it? I, I know people. Do you know people, David? I know People who have had it. I know one person that died from it. Oh, I'm sad. Um, I know one that. person. I know some people who have had it. I know one person who's got a long COVID, and they're still suffering from it, even though they had it probably about a, nine, ten months ago. They're still struggling with it. So, but I've not had it myself. No, I haven't had it, and um, one of the one of the reasons. I get really worried about it and I am still sanitising when I get a food delivery is um, because um, so so our daughter, her friend had her father over, um, hadn't seen him for ages because of lockdown. She was expecting and uh, he gave her COVID. Gosh. So so I'm really, really strict on it. And, and at that point in time... They weren't, um, they hadn't had their injections. My my niece, my nephews had it and they got it from the Euro 2000 celebrations, mm. oh. which I'm really actually, I have to say, I'm quite angry about because they were really strict on the COVID regulations and they went out to celebrate, as you do, and the owners should have been on the venue because we were still under COVID rules then. Yeah. But you'd got all these television um, screens showing people celebrating, hugging and all sorts, weren't there? No yeah. mask wearing. And so the guard was let down. But, yeah, they can pinpoint when they got it. I'm testing regularly. I don't want to, I don't want to give it to the grandchildren. I'm very worried about that. It is still a worry. I mean, mm. I had it two months ago. Oh, bless you. But it was very mild. I'd been single jabbed. And I don't know whether that had something to do with it. But because NHS call you every two days mm. to check in on you, which I didn't know at the time. And, um, yeah, they were saying... They, I remember them saying to me, it's a very small percentage that actually really suffer with it. Most people don't know they had it. This is why it's spreading so mm. fast because m- most people go through their days completely asymptomatic and they don't know who they've passed it on to. But um, it was so strange because you think it's over. Yeah. And I thought, oh, we're all safe now. Everything's reopened. And then I got it only two months ago and you're kind of like, oh, well, no, it's still it's still here. Jodie, yeah. I'm so sorry. You. That's horrible. I caught it on my birthday as well. Oh, no. <laughs> but no, it was quite mild. I was worried because I'm asthmatic as well. I thought it's going to be quite bad, but it was like, it's fine. But yeah. And you look fine. Yeah. How are you? Fine. It, was, it, was, it wasn't, 
I had a lot of people really worried checking in with me at the time, and I felt it just felt like a, a cold, like a bad cold. Um, but I did a PCR test and it came back positive, and I was like, oh, okay. But no, it wasn't too bad at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't like those tests, those swabs and things. I really they are really horrible. horrible. I'm sure they're doing more damage to you than. It's the waiting. Yeah. What, the 30 minutes of doom? Yeah. <laughs> Have I got it? Have I got it? I did. Somebody spat in my face the other day. You know, that kind of thing. No, when they were speaking, mm. I mean, I yeah, have not... been out and, and people have spoken and I thought, oh, do you not know there's pandemic? We're just talking about quite birthdays again. No one's going to have have you breathe over there or blow the candles out again. <laughs> Are you going to eat a birthday cake that someone's blowing their candles out? No, that is a really good point. Yeah. It's not COVID friendly, is it? Hardly. No, you're gonna have no. to get some other way of extinguishing the candles. I go to church regularly, and so pre-pandemic, we used to do the peace, shake everybody's hands. Mm-hmm. Now you can't do that; you have to wave at each other. Yeah, but it's nice. It's nice to wave. I suppose communion as well. If you're handing out wafers, you can't. You've got to do a, a different way of. What happens is with with wafers, your hands are sanitised as you go up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you're given the wafer, but you don't have the cup at the moment. Don't mm. even yeah, because they can't even pass that. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I mean, it's all these little things, isn't it, that has changed? I mean, um, you've mentioned you the candles. Pardon? Could I have it in shot glasses? <laughs> well, they do. They do that. The Methodists do that. Yeah. They have, but they don't have alcohol. Ah. Oh. Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, all I was going to ask is kind of like. Does it have an effect on our lives now? Like, how big is the effect COVID has on us now? Like, do we think about it even? Yeah, I think about it a lot. Do you? I do? Um, no. Mm. I think I, I kind of have to remind myself. Like, if I'm going out, I'll suddenly, I, I sort of get to the door and think, or I'm halfway down the street and thinking, oh, do I need to wear a mask? Because obviously some places are now, you still have to, and some places you don't. So I'm like, do I have to? So I'm kind of having to double check or make sure that I've got something with me. I mean, I will um, hand sanitise if I've taken deliveries of parcels and things because you you don't know who's where it's been or what, what the contact is. Um, so from that respect, I kind of got into the habit of, of doing that when taking deliveries and stuff. So kind of not washing them, but just sort of handling them in a, in a sort of COVID way. But I don't kind of, I, I think I don't stress over it. I don't worry about it. I don't think about it. I, I think of... that's good. I think that's very good. I do. And and I think it might be because I'm a safeguarding officer. Mm-hmm. And uh, also... Um, I am a worship leader and I do have to set church up sometimes. So we've still got um, every other pew. You can only sit in one pew and then every other pew you're not allowed to. It's not cordoned off any longer. It doesn't look like you're in prison anymore. Mm. (laughs) Um, And there are masks there. Mask wearing is encouraged. You can't make people. No, I think that's the thing. If if you are involved with it, you have to be aware of it. Mm. So I think you, like you say, your your kind of the roles that you carry on, you're going to have to be constantly being vigil and keeping up with the protocols. Whereas the other people like us who use the facilities 
aren't having to go through that, which is a case of, right, where's the latest regulations if we're going to go somewhere? And then we just sort of do a refresher. Yeah. I, I found it really nice to go away, stay in a hotel and not really have to worry about it as well. So I think sometimes when you're out of your normal environment, it's it's more relaxing, isn't it? Mm. I think actually going away is healthy. I think the staycation's a cool thing. I think we're it putting is. back into our country, aren't we? It's a good thing. It is. I think a lot of hotels have benefited from, and certainly a lot of UK destinations have benefited from uh, staycations. Yeah. And I know that the Isle of Uist was quite popular for a bit. Was it? Yeah, every single celebrity <laughs> and TV production company all descended on the Isle of Uist at the same time. I think Joanna Lumley arrived, uh, Susan Kalman turned up, um, Grand Tour turned up, and there was a couple of others as well that all turned up because for some reason everyone decided to go to... <laughs> I'd love to go and see <laughs> Joanna <laughs> Lumley walking down the beach. But, or they, oh, all, but they all arrived on the ferry at the same time. <laughs> so Because sort of like, all the, the production crew all knew each other and were like, oh, who's that? Oh, they're doing such and such. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Could you imagine just on your holidays and then seeing all these famous faces and people making I'd stuff? love it. I'd love it. You could, you could go and get loads of tips, couldn't you? Yeah, Could well, you imagine? I mean... <laughs> next spot next year yeah we're going to take the podcast on tour that's a good idea i think it's fantastic we idea. could do this in front of an audience yeah oh gosh alive. <laughs> a live live studio oh no that would be so cool well let us know if you're interested <laughs> so just while we're on the while we're back on the show again so what feedback have you had like have you spoken to people who listen to the podcast I think you've had more of a, an interaction with the community because obviously with Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah. People have, um, yes, they've enjoyed it. They've liked it. They've said they've listened to all of them, mm. <laughs> which is good, isn't mm. it? We don't know. They say they have, and they, but they do refer to um, things that we spoke about. So, yeah, it's all been positive. I mean, I get the stats. So I know areas where people are who listen to it. And so I get uh, uh, the top countries and the top towns. And if you're interested, I could give you the top 10 countries. Yay! I was going to say, where where have you reached? Okay, so number one is the USA. I think that's brilliant. I think we've got about two-thirds of our audience is America, which is brilliant. I mean, the fact that so many people in America have i wonder if they're, they're all expats or brits who are working in america it'll be interesting to know if that, it's quite yeah <laughs> they still have connections Ooh. so but it's interesting that there is such a, a big audience in america and, and we're seeing them constantly you know working their way through the podcasts which is you know i know i know who you are <laughs> <laughs> number two is uh, the uk which is expected they're the next biggest one but then it sort of drops down so american and uk have taken most of it ireland has just uh joined and they're now at number three wow uh belgium is at number four we've got a, <laughs> we've got a following in belgium so shout out 
to yes we love the eu yeah (laughs) (laughs) maybe i shouldn't have said that sorry (laughs) we do i think there's still a minority still there's still 49 percent of us that still like that's right we love them (laughs) uh five is germany now this is where we go um off piste a bit we've got uh, thailand at six no uh australia singapore ukraine and romania wow and they're the top 10 we've also got colombia canada kazakhstan iran and chile in there in the mix as well bizarre it's so crazy, we have gone they? global we have <laughs> oh <laughs> i just think it's funny that um um What's his name that does the House of Games? Um, Richard Osman. Richard Osman. Oh, yes. He does the, the House of Games. And one of the rounds is called Where on Earth is Kazakhstan? So I thought it was quite funny that we actually had someone from Kazakhstan listening in. That is very funny, isn't it? We could say, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know. We're there. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it's. Um, it's just amazing how, how, how many people have listened. And we, we've actually just crossed is it 1,100 downloads. Most of them in the last 12 months. That's fascinating, isn't it? Because it started off fairly slow, mm. but obviously as we've added more uh, more episodes, and then with the Art of Covid mm. chat that we did, that actually boosted a lot of the earlier episodes. So that yeah. sparked a massive interest in yeah. a lot of the other... So we actually had more people listening to the Fennin Chattel than we did when we were doing it. <laughs> it is a snapshot in time, though. And you were it, saying, yeah, you said that to me yeah, yesterday. Yeah, so I was just before I thought, because I did, I think I was on one of these way back when, and I just listened again to remind myself. And I was just listening in on the stats for one thing and the stories that, and what everyone was doing. And I was like, it's a piece of history. It really mm. listened to it. Mm. You know, it'll be quite interesting to look back a few years on and just re-listen to these episodes and what we did mm. and what was what life looked like then yeah so, it's yeah. almost like a museum piece yeah <laughs> we should yeah. put it into the into uh, the q the, the q the, the vna yeah yeah they do um odd things that they could do. be submitted so maybe we could do that yeah be a good idea <laughs> we could immortalize forever <laughs> <laughs> okay so um, what I'm actually quite interested. This isn't in the questions, but like, okay. how, how does it feel to know that you've reached Thailand and Belgium, and obviously because it's not necessarily the intended audience, but these people are listening to it. So, how does that make you guys feel that they're engaging? I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, I expected the UK to be the main audience. Mm. I expected to be local. And it, it has been in different formats other than podcasts in, in like Facebook and, and uh, YouTube and stuff. It's, it has been more localised. But this just went global, I think, because of the accessibility of podcasts. You, know, you do a search and anyone can listen to it. So I guess looking at it from that perspective, I'm not surprised that it has gone as far. But yes, it has been a surprise that people in such remote places have found this little podcast because like say we've got two million podcasters out there and for someone in thailand or singapore to suddenly 
go, oh, look, here's the Fen and Chat Hour. We'll, we'll listen to that. I don't know what the, the story is behind them, whether they are all just expats across the world who mm-hmm. know of Finland and have sort of just tuned in just out of interest. Mm. It's, it's an interesting concept. It is. It's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. And I'm glad that David has access to those stats so that we do know. That... It's interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. Be lovely to hear from people. Mm. Put something on the Facebook page, people. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just going back to say the ending the show now. I mean, why did why did it stop after twenty one episodes? The workload, uh, mental health workload, um, bills needed to be paid because this is all voluntary. This is this is you know we must point out you know this is us giving our time up to do this voluntary, you know, there's no money, there's no sponsorship, it's just a case of we just get on and do it. Um, because at the time we thought we were just providing a service. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we'd done it maybe once a week, it may have been not stressful, we would have lasted longer. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. I don't know. Stress, um, yeah, bills need to be paid. As I said, we weren't getting funded, we weren't getting support from the government, so we, we had to find other ways. So mm. we then just went back to, to working. Mm. I think um, it is interesting. The government at that point in time really were doing their best to help people through. Um, but there, there were self-employed people who were left high and dry. It's very interesting. Employed people were on furlough. Businesses, um, limited companies were getting support, but the self-employed just fell into this deep, dark Mm. hole. And people, you know, actors, for example, famous actors, they were having to work in care just so they had a paycheck come in. And everybody had to start thinking outside of the box went as as soon as it came to considering income through covid didn't yeah. didn't they really it was, it was the um the concert culture mm. so it was the photographers it was the musicians it was the engineers sound engineers the videographers the anyone who creates something that like a stage show or, or but they're all independent limited companies and they just didn't tick any of the boxes because they don't have a premise, mm. a premises. So they didn't get funding from small business rates, and so because they all work from home, mm. you know, and that, and there was millions of people that fell into that category. I know it's not just me. No, and and I, I know the government said you can't be evicted throughout that time, but people have been. Yeah, they were still happening. I mean, they tried they, um they managed to stop a lot of it, mm. but it didn't stop some of the unscrupulous mm-hmm. people and a lot of people who didn't have contracts. Yeah. That was the ones who were getting caught out because they were just staying with friends. Mm. Yeah, and then they couldn't pay the rent to their friends, yeah, for the rooms they had. It's mm. terrible, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. When you when you think about it, and this isn't a nice country to be homeless in. No. Is it really? So they did try their best. Rishi Sunak helped a lot of people. 
and a lot of people are, are grateful but I think we have to think of those people as well and you know they've got the conference now and we're talking about leveling up let's hope they keep doing the right thing for people yeah I mean we, we I think we're going to be naive if we don't think that there's going to be tax rises because that's the thing is they've drained all the coffers paying everyone to keep them afloat for the last year you know I think you're you blinkered if you think that they're not going to want the money back because they've, I mean, there is no money left, you mm. know, and everyone's saying, oh, why can't you fund this? And why can't you give the hospitals more, pay the nurses more? It's because there's no money. Mm. You know, it's all been given away with all the, the furlough schemes and, and various other payouts to companies. And, and that's the thing, a lot of it has gone to the businesses. Mm. Which, so, but I can see it coming back at some point. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Mm, time will tell, won't it? I know the student I loans, so. they're lowering the, the limits to the student loans. Are they? That's interesting. It's its very interesting what's happening. I, I have a huge amount of sympathy as well, I have to say, for young families because, you know, they are in very expensive rentals a lot of the time, aren't mm. they? Because it's impossible to get your foot on the housing ladder at the moment. Um, and then they're in cramped conditions. And, um, yeah, I should think there's a lot of frustrations going on. And money worries, they're the worst. Yeah. I think they, it's, that's when you start worrying about money. If that's the issue, then, you know, that can lead to all sorts of things. Mm. People get desperate. Mm. Mm. And I do think it's having an impact on culture and attitude, mm. all sorts of things. Mm. It doesn't feel quite like we're stable now. No, it's going to take two or three years at least to get back some kind of stability. Mm. Because it's kind of like you, it's hard, I think, when you're not in, say, a set job, you kind of... When, you, when it's more like in the arts industry and it's like, if we do this project, what if we have to go into lockdown again? Um, how many audience members can we have? How can we safeguard everyone? There's so many thing, extra things now to take into consideration that we never had to think of mm -hmm. before. So, yeah, moving forward, it is it's a big change and we all have to get <laughs> used to it. Yeah. Yes, we do. We do. And we've had to be more and more flexible as individuals. And uh, there used to be this old saying years ago, didn't they? British people don't like change. Yeah. I think we, we're well used to it now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Challenging and com complaining and change. <laughs> yeah. Sounds about right. <laughs> and queuing. Oh, we, <laughs> love, we, queuing. Love, we love queuing. Well, we used to. <laughs> yeah, now, now it's knife fights in four courts. Yeah. <laughs> It is, yeah. Gosh. Did you, did you hear about the, the tanker driver? He was carrying mortar for a construction company and he had a whole queue of people following him down the road for miles. And one guy got angry saying he should have pulled over and told us that he wasn't a petrol tanker. No. Because he was carrying they cement just for this. They assumed that he was a petrol tanker. Because it looked like a petrol so there was a convoy. <laughs> yeah, and they were just flying for miles and miles. That's brilliant. Breaker, breaker. <laughs> Come in, rubber ducky. <laughs> Got a 10-4. <ten> <laughs> 
Sorry, Jodie, you're too too young to remember that. No, uh, sorry, that went straight over my head. Uh, generations. Yes, it is. <laughs> but I feel like we're sheeple in a way because if I saw one of those cars following that, yeah. I'd probably that be like. That is being sheeple. That's sheepish. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, they had that on LBC. The woman they they found a woman. She was saying, "Well, why why are you queuing?" She said, "Well, because everybody else was." Yeah, I don't know why. Mm. There you go. That's I saw somebody trying to put fuel into a carrier bag on telly. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> like double. I saw someone double bagging it. You know, just to just be safe. Just to be safe. Yeah. So. <laughs> and filling their water bottles. I mean. Are you going to drink from that? <laughs> oh, it's horrible, isn't it? It's, it's very horrible. Yeah. This is this is absolutely crazy. There was apparently um, a petrol station in the Midlands where people were queuing up, and it was shut. Yes, <laughs> 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 the police had to go there to tell them to go away because <laughs> it was just closed down. It wasn't even. Oh really? <laughs> it wasn't even a petrol station before. Oh wow! And then you got someone. It was an anti-fuel campaigner someone had hacked google and turned his house into a petrol station so he was getting inundated with phone calls asking if he'd got petrol <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't shouldn't laugh oh, no. i think you've got to <laughs> i think you've got to laugh it's mad it's all on the discussion pages, isn't it? It's just like, okay, Tesco's has diesel and this place has petrol and this place is that and you're just keeping an eye like, where do I go? But... And it's all gone. And they don't want you phoning up to check before you go, no. which is a problem. Mm. If you're on vapours, it's a problem, isn't it? And it's yeah. probably the emergency services as well. Like, when... I know, I know. If they can't get to where they need to go, then we're in trouble. But... Well, that's it. There's... there's... Ambulances were queuing. Mm. That's bad. It is bad. All the buses are having to... It's like one bus company's had to stop general service just so that they can make sure they can do school runs because they're not getting their deliveries of diesel. That's awful. Absolutely awful. Oh, sorry. Sorry, microphone. <laughs> sorry. Um, what's the insulation group? What's it called? Insulation. Insulate Britain. Insulate Britain. Now, they're crazy, aren't they? They are. Insulate Britain. It's a very good, very important message. We need to be more eco-aware. We have a worldwide disaster about to hit us. We know this. But stopping ambulances. Yeah. Getting to hospital. That's disgusting. It is. Uh -huh. People are going to lose their rag. I mean, you can you can have a message up to a point, mm. but if you are stopping people in difficult situations, mm. like trying to get to hospital, stuff, you're going to lose the backing and support of the people that you're trying to help yeah. or to, to, to sway. Yeah. Because you're just going to shut down everyone's their minds. are just going to go, right, I'm not interested. You know, you're causing me grief. Yeah. So why should I support something that you stand for? I mean, they were talking to the, the the protesters and saying, you know, why are you doing this? And they didn't know. They didn't know how many. How, they didn't know what it was they were supporting. They didn't know how many houses hadn't been insulated. They didn't know this. You know, if you're supporting a cause, you're supposed to at least know why you're supporting the cause. Who are these people? They're sitting out on the pavement, and they don't know why they're sitting out on the pavement. Mm. And they're stopping 
ambulances and they don't know the reason why that's crazy uh, yeah, I mean, this... <laughs> I mean, you know, just the concept... You know, Humans, I think, we're a plague. <laughs> you, you're, you're stopping people getting down a road, so they're then having to take a 10-mile detour mm. round, so you're then creating more pollution mm. getting to your destination. They shut down the M25, didn't they? Yeah, several times. Yes, they have. <laughs> and it's just... So you're creating more pollution... Exactly. and so they're an, counterintuitive. Yes. And they're an offshoot, aren't they? Yeah. Of In, uh, extinction, extinction rebellion. rebellion. Oh, are they? Yes, they are. So they're oh, not gosh. even... So, so, So I think this is an extreme group that don't understand what they're doing. No. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Scary. I think it's going to get to the point... Well, they've already seen people come, um, losing the rank with them. Yeah, so I saw that. it's going to get that. to the point where they're just going to, like, you're in the road. Yep. Oh, I hope nothing like that happens. It, I, know, I know, I know people, people get very get frustrated cross, don't they? And, and just, they're going to start getting riots where the public... Not that we're actively saying, you know, <laughs> we're not promoting no, it. No, no. But you can see people are going to go, like, we've had enough of this, yeah. just get, get them out of the way. yeah. I, I saw them we, have enough, we have enough problems mm. trying to get with, with Brexit mm. and the deliveries to trying to get people in and out with the fuel as well. Last thing we need is a bunch of cowboys gluing themselves to the road just because they think it's funny. And the amount of resources that would take, like you need so many police cars and officers driving out to them trying to get them to move. Like it's well, so- this is the thing. You, you, you've got um, Sarah, Sarah Everard. Yeah, you know, exactly. We're talking about more policing to help yeah, you know, keeping people safe. Mm-hmm. But you've got lunatics who are gluing themselves to the road mm-hmm. for no reason. So you've then got hundreds of police trying relocated to to deal with this incident of stupid people, and you're then saying, "Well, we don't have the police to look after people who are walking to keep them safe in the towns." Apparently, um, a tube station had to get everybody off the train. I think they may have run out of fuel. I don't know. One hundred percent. They were. They had no, four they're, stops they're to go. They're, they're electric. Okay. They were, They had four stops to go, so it wasn't fuel. Mm. Um, and they hadn't put fifty p in the meter. <laughs> <laughs> they, do you remember that? <laughs> I, I know of it, but I never had to do that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And uh, yeah, they all had to get off the tube station, and a man wrote, "I could see how fearful the women were that they had to walk mm. from here." Yeah. So, so it's it's a big thing, isn't it? Keeping yeah. us all safe is important. That's the job of the police. I, I mean, know... they're so overstretched <laughs> at the moment. You know, trying to make sure that they've got the right number of people in the right places. They, we don't need them to be distracted by other things. No, definitely not. They were standing back with Insulate Britain when they were being pulled off the road mm. by the public members of the public. So I don't know why they were standing back. I mean, they have to consider every situation, don't they, whilst they're there watching it. They have to observe and keep themselves safe as well, don't they? I think they've just got to monitor until an actual crime has been committed. So dragging somebody across the road is not a crime. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as long as you're looking both ways. (laughs) 
local Neanderthal was very happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they also all the people that were dragging the people off the road did look like they were being fairly sensitive in the way they did it. I only saw one man kick somebody afterwards. You know, you know how people walk by and they're cross and they go like that. You see like it a on football. football. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A footballer's tweak. It, it looked a bit like that. Yeah, mm. I'm sure he got a, a sneaky kick in. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little full stop on their interaction. Yeah, yeah. You could really hurt somebody though, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. Mm. You could. Gosh, you do ask yourself though, what's next, don't you? <laughs> what's next? Ah, somebody what? said something about pork. Pork? Yes, apparently. Oh yeah, all the pigs are, yeah, there's not going to be any um, pigs in blankets for Christmas. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Pork, bacon. Because of the carbon dioxide. Yeah. Oh, of course, because they can't um, slaughter them, can they? Because they don't have if the pump, CO2 yeah, for the if, guns. Yeah. Can't transport them. I wasn't able to get my roast potatoes from Ocado because of the CO2. <laughs> because it's all the packaging as well. So I didn't get my frozen food. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I had to make roast potatoes from scratch. Did you have to get the, did you have to get the tin of smash out? <laughs> <laughs> That's not so bad, you know. <laughs> Put a bit of butter in. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to get some of that. That's a good idea. <laughs> stock up, stock yeah, up. Yes, stock up. I'll oh, just get yes. some crisps. Get some crisps and add some water and <laughs> Yeah, rehydrate them. Yeah. Oh, God, get some spam out ready. Oh, that's mm. tough. <laughs> Anywho, I feel like we we haven't talked about the show. (laughs) Okay, what's next on? What's the next question? Next on the agenda is. Hit us with the next question. So the next one is probably more about after the show. So what's the show's legacy? Mm. Good question. Good question. Yes. Who's going to take this on? Go on, Amanda. I'm going to take it, am I? Oh, thank you. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I think the legacy is the fact that we've had more listeners to the podcast from all over the world. Um, And and the fact we we touched on it, snapshot in time. So it is a piece of history. That's what was going on in our heads... Locally, mm. yeah, I, I'd say that. Yeah, it's 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 history, and that's exactly what what you were saying. You know, it's it's a snapshot in time at a specific place, and I guess when people are looking back through archives in years to come, they go, oh, "What was it like?" You know, I mean, like we talk about evacuees in the Second yeah. World War. You know, what was it like? Um, there'll be there'll be kids doing research projects on what COVID was um, back in the 20, 2020s, you know, in 20 years' time as part of their uh, history project. And so they'll be searching through and like, oh, what's this then? You know, and they can then hear audio accounts as it's actually happening, I suppose. Yeah. It's it's very scary when you, when you get to my age. 
But, you know, and and you watch Top of the Pops and you realise it was 30 years ago and you were sit, sat in the front room watching that. <laughs> Where did all the years go to? Yeah, so somebody will one day be listening and thinking, oh, that's really interesting. And that's wonderful. I think because it's a different take as well. You've got the newspapers and they're talking about, you know, they're talking about the media perspective of covid and then you've got the the news reports, which has got a different slant to it, but it's still, you know, government centric. What's happening? People's opinions—they're going for very left or right wing opinions of whatever's going going on. But whereas ours is different, and it's a more human element. It's actually what's actually affecting people, and how. Like without an agenda, I guess. Yeah, just yeah. two it's people who care. We don't have a political bias. For completely that. without agenda. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that was <clears throat> even some of the things. I mean, we're say pro government, but some of the things that were going on, we were we were anti. You know, pros the process of doing certain things. You know, so we weren't politically biased. In in you know, we would give either cre- credit or um, disdain. Mm-hmm. Depending on what was going on, mm-hmm. so you know it it wasn't a political driven uh, approach. Mm. The thing that I would say we did do, Jody, is encourage people to trust the government with the advice they were given because not everybody was, mm. and we had to, as a nation, if we were going to get beyond this, we had to trust what they were saying to us, or at least all just do the same thing. Yeah, you know, if this is what's legislation, this is what's been put out. Just please follow it. So at least we're doing the same thing. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And I think as well, if you are listening to this, I'd say 30 years, it would be lovely to hear your thoughts. You yeah. get in touch. And if you're doing this part of your homework, make sure you get your homework done. Don't take drugs, kids, and stay in school. <laughs> Just say no. Just say no. <laughs> Education is paramount. <laughs> Okay, so... Because if you don't stay at school, you end up like me, doing a podcast in the 50s. <laughs> With a knitted Yoda in the background of the studio. We crochet, love... Oh, sorry, crochet. Apologies. Love Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, with regards to after the show, so when you recorded it, what did you do afterwards? Did it help you anyway? And what did you learn from the experiences you had recording this? Afterwards, I had a cup of tea. Gin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say, really, Jodie, I'm so thankful to David. Don't want to embarrass you, David, but he did an amazing job. And um, there was some inspiration of other people that wanted to take up podcasts. They got in contact, mm. didn't they? And they've gone off and they've, been quite successful with their own podcast David's helped them along the way and um, that's also a good legacy yes it is Mm. yeah because we put a post out in the the Cam's Times uh, the local paper and uh, yeah there was details on there you know so if if anybody wanted to to get in touch and yeah some some people did it's been it's been exciting Um, it's been a learning curve and um it's been good to work with David. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so embarrassing. 
<laughs> well, I've worked with Amanda over the years. Uh, well, we've crossed paths. So it's, it's always nice to, to work with people more in outside of the initial fields that yeah. we actually work with because of um, the heritage side that you work with. So it's always nice to work and expand the, the sort of the the envelope of, of what we do. But we are doing other projects together along the heritage lines, aren't we? And, and bringing these <clears> kind of <throat> techniques that we're learning from, yeah. from there into supporting that. Absolutely. And, and because we've established that rapport and we've bonded well, actually doing doing the research and everything behind it it's it's much smoother isn't it mm. it's yeah i think it's good so like the research <clears throat> side of things you've definitely kind of learned how to streamline that i guess in a way what david's learned to do is how to refocus my mind <laughs> <laughs> and and stop me from going off topic it does take a few hours doesn't it david mm. <laughs> Yes, I do. I remember one of the first meetings we had, we went for breakfast. Yeah, we did. We went for breakfast at Skylarks and we started about nine-ish or something like that. I think we left, but we had breakfast, we had lunch and I think we gave up on tea, but I think sort of about four o'clock we left. Oh my gosh. And that was talking about one project. Very intense. David stuck with me on it. He stuck with me. I see David smiling, but his eye, it hasn't reached his eyes. <laughs> we get on. <laughs> it's very important. Mm. Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, we get, we don't see each other very often, so we kind of David catch says, thank up. God. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you can hear it when you're listening to the podcast as well, I think. There was a good chemistry. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, it was it was an enjoyable experience from that perspective. It was stressful, and for all the reasons that David said. Mm. Now, before we kind of finish and wrap up, I think there's one person that we do need to mention, Doris. Oh, Doris! That lovely Doris. So, who who is Doris, and what did what did she bring to the show for you? I don't think we can name Doris, but we can talk about the concept of Doris coming. Doris is sensible <clears throat> and um, she's a lovely lady. And actually, Doris lives in Maney. So um, we we had the Wimblington posse, didn't we? And the Chatteris posse. So we do call her Doris down the road. And that's quite true. She is Doris down the road. So she gives, a, gives us advice even today. And... Um, She'll tell us which day to put the bins out and which colour they are. And uh, she was telling us how to use the slow cooker, I seem to remember, Mm. was something, wasn't it? Yes, use the slow cooker, make food, use this, use that. So, yeah, she she was uh, good at giving us advice and helping people. And she judged the art competition. She did. People had to guess what Doris looked like. Actually, one of the one of the drawings is very much like Doris. Is that one you drew? <laughs> no, I handed. I I didn't hand them over. I had to. I had to hand them over to a lady called Gail in Maney, who who knows Doris. And and at that point in time, I'd never met Gail, 
um, it was all, I'd only known her through Facebook. You know how you have Facebook friends? So I sent the pictures over that we've got, photographed them, because a lot of them came through my letterbox, I seem to remember. And um, yeah, she said to me, oh, that one looks ever so much like Doris. So I didn't Amazing. know what Doris looked like, oh. actually. Amazing. Yeah. It's all very cloak and dagger. <laughs> yeah. And it still is. <laughs> she can keep her, keep her secrets. Yes. Some say, some say she lives in the fens. <laughs> <laughs> and we had, what would Doris do? Yeah. Amazing. And what would Doris do? What, right now? She would be sensible in her approach to filling up her car. She would. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. She she would be very sensible about it. So she would wait until she got to about a quarter of a tank mm. because being a bit older, a bit vulnerable, she um, would make sure she was safe to get to the petrol station. Bearing in mind there is no petrol station in Maney. Mm. So you can You've break down travel. in the fen. Yeah. Mm. You, yeah, you've got to be safe. And And I do think... I would like to say this, actually, that I don't think everybody is taking that on board. Mm-hmm. We're all looking at the fuel situation from our own perspectives. And it is something that's been created and is not real, but it has become real. Mm-hmm. And we have to think of everybody's situation and be patient, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Anything to add, David? I... I... I don't know Doris. Um, Doris was a, a big influence in the show. It, it just gave an extra dimension to what we were doing. Mm. You know, it was that... It's like um, some comedy shows where they have a an unseen character that just sits in or shouts or just everyone talks about that's never there. Charlie... Charlie. Charlie's Angels. Yes, Charlie. I, w- I was also thinking of um, Howard's mother from oh, the Big Bang yes. Theory and stuff. Yes. You, know, you, you hear her, but you don't see it. So th- there's, there's one of the sort of the tropes. Mrs. Of- Mannering. Yes. Did you ever see yeah. Mrs. Mannering? Mrs. Mannering. Is that Dad's song? Dad's yes, it is. So yes, so it, it's quite a, a common trope within. Uh, so it was just having that kind of thing. It just added an extra dimension to the show. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. I mean, and we didn't have to pay her. No. <laughs> no. And she doesn't mind us speaking about her now. I did ask permission. Oh, amazing. Mm. Very good. So we've talked a lot about COVID and the fuel crisis at the moment. Mm. What I want to ask now is what do we have to look forward to? Not a lot. Christmas. Chris, not even, <laughs> East, which year? Chris, Christmas next year? Christmas 2022? Yeah. I, I think Christmas is going to be a challenge this year. Well, for lots of people. Mm. For lots of people. Money's going to be tight. We will get bad weather, and I just think we've got to be nicer to each other and kinder, and that's what we should look forward to, a kinder society, because we are all in this together still. Yeah, there's no getting away from it. No. And you've got a lot of families, well, this will be the first Christmas without loved ones as well. So I think it's going to be tough in lots of different ways. 
there's still lots of restrictions on there'll probably be another restrictions on movements as well yeah yeah but if we get another mm. another variant or whatever before then, oh. that's the problem. You can't predict how things are going to. No, you can say, well, there's there's the likelihood that obviously you get lots of people moving from basically from now to to Christmas. You've got a lot of travel. Well, I do think that that is actually that's something I am hanging on to because I've always been a big traveller, and uh, I look forward to being able to travel abroad safely. Mm everywhere that's mm. what's coming the jet set lifestyle again yeah <laughs> yeah i think we're all looking forward to yes yes, yes. but for now staycations are good mm. yeah anything for you personally at all rather than more like general christmas anything personal that you guys are looking forward to i think just returning back to a level of work um within the the filming industry because obviously the covid restrictions are, are being quite difficult on limiting on what you can and can't do um so the number of people on set and the protocols and distances and, and the sort of the complexity that it brings in trying to film people together um so i think hopefully once those have been relaxed we can get back to sort of normal normal filming i mean that was you know trying to do this podcast i mean last year we couldn't do it because we, we weren't allowed to be in the same room so then we had to go to like two meters apart mm -hmm. one meter apart to do that from a podcasting thing isn't so bad but when you only have a certain amount of space limited you know six months ago we couldn't have had the three of us together in the same location mm -hmm. but things are changing so hopefully things will keep moving in a positive way mm -hmm. and we can then get you know, groups of people together and, and have larger groups doing this kind of stuff and we yeah. still don't know what effect the booster jabs are going to have like we can hope that they will have an effect on what we can and can't do that they work and mm -hmm. stops the spread as well and getting children as well get vaccinated mm -hmm. as well yeah definitely yeah there was um a 15 year old he got covid and he passed away in the morning, his jab was due that afternoon. That's right, yes. I remember awful, that. awful. We need to get children vaccinated. And I don't understand why we keep getting these hold-ups. And it doesn't make sense to me. But then, you know, they are looking at the science. They know things that we don't, I hope. <laughs> yeah, and you have to be careful with children, don't you, about growth and all sorts I guess that's why they're very hesitant but it's do the merits outweigh other things you know with jabs that all jabs have that slight thing what are the side effects and but there's so many extensive testing so much extensive testing done on all of the jabs now that I think we can, I would feel safe well, so most, most of the jabs were modifications of what was already out there mm. so it's the as I said, the reason why it came in so quickly is because they were already using a COVID-based jab. Mm. You know, they'd already got... COVID is not new. COVID mm. has been around in different forms in lots of colds and, and viruses. It's This is just the next version that's mm. come along. I think they found another six variants of COVID just in the bat population that could potentially cross over in the future. So 
these, this is not new. This is something that's been around for a long time. So they already had the the structures. They knew the sort of the genome sequences. So they had a general idea of what it was. So it was a case of just finding out the important bits mm-hmm. and then packaging it and putting it out. So we, we've had COVID vaccinations before, mm. which is under different names. Mm. Mm. Did you did you have any side effects when you had your injections? No, not that I know. Neither. Neither one of them. Neither did I. I Ah, I had AstraZeneca. I had AstraZeneca. My arm, I had a headache Mm. and my arm was dead. Oh, that's not nice. No, I had nothing. And that was on both both times, just split and pounding headache. Oh, horrible. Horrible. A lot of people have said that. I had to check my husband's vital signs four times. (laughs) The day after he had his vital signs. Make sure he's still alive. (laughs) So ill. He was in bed. Yeah, my parents were very, both of my parents were very ill, but then I didn't have the same jab that they did because they gave all of us the Pfizer Pfizer. Yeah, they Mm. didn't want to give AstraZeneca, did they? No. To younger people. Well, yeah, it is AstraZeneca generally that had side effects, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. But after that, I've had no problems at all. No. It was literally like 48 48 hours and that was it. And, And everybody expected there'd be some sort of side effect, so you took it easy anyway, mm. or or had something planned, like um, takeaway food. <laughs> Who would you like to thank before we do sign off? Oh, everyone listening. Santa. <laughs> Santa. <laughs> As well. Me, myself <laughs> and I. <laughs> no. Thank you, yeah. Thank you for for everyone that's listened and taking the time to actually listen and to actually listen to more than one episode. Mm, definitely, Which, you know, actually being supportive. Just just knowing that people have been out there and they've just listened through each of the episodes or some of the episodes. Um, yeah, and yeah, that's 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 my thanks. Mm. And thank you to my 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 lovely co-host. Thank you, David. Because yes, it wouldn't have been you. such a good good show without without you. We had lots of fun. Yes, definitely. Anyone you'd like to thank or just Doris as well. And yourself today. You're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so I think is that it for the Fenland Chat Hour? I think it is. Um it's, this is a one-off. I don't think we're intending to, to do another one. Not yet. Maybe this is something to look at maybe every few months. Mm, that's an idea. See what kind but, of response we get from this one. Yes. Mm. Check the stats. Yeah. David, David's the stats man. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess all that is to say is thank you all for listening and for joining us um, on the Fun and Chat Hour for our one was it one year off special yeah is there anything you'd like to say to the listeners before we before we go well i hope that listeners have enjoyed listening and got something from it if you if you like it and you've enjoyed it then you know give us some ratings tell people about it you know like the the channel support um subscribe and all those wonderful things. Mm-hmm. So from here, us here in the studio, we'd like to say thank you and goodbye. Happy Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>